Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another State of Pro Wrestling right here on the PCC Multiverse for Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for joining us. It's Gerald Glassman from the Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Lakers Fast Breaking Game Source. We truly appreciate you joining us. Ding, ding, it's bell time. We're going to be talking about a lot of great things and a couple of very sad losses we have seen in the industry since last time we talked. But here today, Good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing. He is busy. In fact, he's as busy as I am, maybe even more with all the stuff that he's doing at the PVD cast at pvdcast.com. It is John Orlando and John. Great to have you here. We'll be talking about some highs and some lows we've seen and what's upcoming for the world of pro wrestling. To say that it's been a very um, challenging week or two for wrestling fans would be an understatement. Um, you know, the, the world of wrestling lost two greats and, and I, I include Bray Wyatt in that conversation as being, as being possibly one of the greats. Um, yeah, I mean, those, those losses hit a lot of people hard. And then we've had some great wrestling action at various different events. So it's been a true mixed bag, I think over the last, uh, couple of weeks. Absolutely, my friend. So we're looking forward to going ahead and discussing it today. But obviously, it starts at, with some tributes because back to back on successive days last week, we lost, like you said, uh, two of the great ones. One of the greatest of all time, in my opinion, and I'm sure yours as well, and Terry Funk at the age of 79. And then the unexpected death because a lot of people like myself were led to believe that he was possibly on the way back very soon to the WWE at Bray Wyatt at 36 years old. Unfortunately, he passed away due to heart issues. Terry Funk obviously had some longstanding health issues. And I've said before uh, in recent days that I'm kind of worried about other wrestlers going forward because the way he was in a cognitive state uh, as far as his last videos, his last social media, his last uh, appearances, et cetera, et cetera, lead me to believe that uh, the life of a wrestler, uh, you might enjoy it on the front end, but you certainly pay it on the back end from what I'm seeing. I said similar things about Roddy Piper before he passed away, that if you just listen to him and you just see the last years or last months, the last days of, of their lives, you can see that the world of wrestling uh, you know, you pay the piper, pardon the pun, indeed, for pro wrestling. Well, and I think, if I may just be so bold, I, I think it's a, while, while losing Terry Funk is certainly heartbreaking, I think it's maybe a little more heartbreaking when you look at Bray Wyatt, just because he was 36 years old. Exactly. You know? He has four young kids, uh, yeah. a wife, he, actually a, a fiance he was going to marry. Yeah, just tragic. Yeah, I mean, and it came out of nowhere. I, I actually was recording a podcast when the news broke, and I could not, for the life of me, understand why I kept seeing my phone light up like crazy. And you know, I was like, I ignored it like a good host is supposed to do. And uh, and I was like, whatever. But as soon as I wrapped, my uh, interview partner 
was saying, did you see that some guy named Wyndham Rotunda died in the WWE? And I'm like, wait, what? And that's what all that activity was on my phone was people completely uh, shell-shocked, their minds blown, whatever analogy you want to use or whatever saying you want to use about the news. And I was right in line with them. I was totally thrown for a loop. I will tell you, though, to me, again, the one that affects me most is Terry Funk. Uh, Terry Funk, when you look at it, I, I know what you and I have talked about before, what defines the quintessential pro wrestler. And to me, there's only a varied few that actually have been able to perform ex- at an extremely high level, both inside and outside the ring. Uh, with promos that they can get that brings you in, that draws you in, whether you're on TV watching or whether you're there in the arena, that gets you amped, that gets you emotionally invested in what they're doing. And then also back it up with extensive work inside the ring. That's not just the regular standard. Okay, start it off. Rest holds, rest holds, chin lock, chin lock, chin lock. Then you go and set up for a finish. Something out of the standard norm, I think, that is, for me, something that I get drawn to when it comes to a performance inside the ring. And I will say that, for me, Terry Funk was one of the quintessential great ones of all time. I mean, the things that he would do, the way that he would get the crowd enticed, the way that he would get everything from both an inside the ring and outside the ring perspective, as far as drawing you in as a customer or as a consumer, whether you cheered him or you hate him, was just to me the key factors on why, to me, he is on my top shelf, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And let's not forget, he kind of re imaged himself throughout his career. You know, when he started in those mid seventies, he was he was much more of a technical wrestler, much more not not the wild brawler that we would come and see in the early eighties, and then you know transition to the the hardcore stuff in the nineties. Like he was always kind of reinventing himself, which is why I think that he had such a long career. I personally, he's he's a part of one of my favorite matches of all time, and uh, I thoroughly love. The I believe it was 1981, the empty arena match, Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk. <laughs> I actually watched that yesterday because of also what Mick Foley said on his uh, podcast as well. But I, I look at the match and uh, for me, if you look at it as far as just from a, a work rate, it's not the greatest work rated match no. I've ever seen. But when you see it, or people exclaim why it's so great, like yourself, it is because of Terry Funk. It's not because mm-hmm. of Jerry Lawler. No. With all due respect to the King. It's because Terry Funk, from before when he was berating Lance Russell for 10 minutes to during when he was talking smack throughout the entire match to Jerry Lawler to the point where, well, they cut it so you don't actually see Jerry Lawler gouge his eye out to the point where he does injure his eye and starts screaming for what? Uh, minutes on end yeah my eye my eye my eye my eye my eye my eye just you us all you hear and he starts crying and whining so there was actually no finish legitimately no. to the match which is just <laughs> even better because uh, uh the way that it that it you know usually you don't like those kind of finishes but in this case it works perfectly so i can understand why you like it. it's because sheerly because of terry funk 
in this absolutely and and as a kid i saw that match on some tape that i purchased some random tape and i i was fascinated by it because it was something i had never seen before what do you mean there's thirteen thousand empty seats and like it just blew my mind and you're right terry funk you got a gun lawler you got a knife like like the, the get over here lawler you pig you pig and then you know the way he had the feuds with dusty Rhodes, who he kept calling an egg sucking dog you know obviously he had flair in one in my all-time favorite match uh with the i quit match with the clash of champions in troy new york in 1989 it is to me the quintessential matchup between two of the greats both inside and outside of the ring at all time and in a match where i still think flair you probably have to in my opinion still give the edge as the greatest of all time funk outperformed him in that match because he was so good in that match he's not only stepped up to the level of the greatest of all time he stepped beyond that level and I'm just will say now that that Funk, you know, truly, you know, the legacy that he lives behind, his later years as a hardcore legend, his later years at ECW in Japan, uh, he, you know, wrestled obviously, like I said, in WCW and WWE, working with and against Mick Foley. Just the legacy this man leaves behind from a two-time NWA World Champion to an ECW champion later on in his 50s, doing moonsaults later in his life that just amazed audiences just to see how much he entertained audiences throughout the decades, whether as a heel or a face, it was just truly tremendous. And again, he has to be on everyone's short list for one of the greatest of all time. And we're also overlooking some of the side projects he did. I mean, in Japan, he released an album of singing. He sang songs on an album. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> He was in Roadhouse. Was one uh, of the was, titles "Egg Sucking Dog"? I, I'm not. I, I'm not sure. There might be one. I think there might be one. But you know, like, and, and like I said, he was in several movies. He was in a Wendy's commercial. So, yep. in fact, I, I had, you know, I had a, a coworker that were like, I don't know who Terry Funk is, but you show him that picture of him from Roadhouse. Oh yeah, that guy, the over guy that the was top, I think Paradise yeah, Alley, over the top, yeah. Paradise Alley, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. He, he's. He's definitely transcended just being a wrestler. I remember he was actually on my on uh, Quantum Leap as a as a wrestler. Um, so the, I mean, he was more than just a wrestler. He, as I said, kind of reinvented himself throughout his career. And wrestling's certainly going to miss having a character like Terry Funk around. I agree with you, indeed. Once again, it is John Orlando from the PVD Cast. Please go ahead and check out his awesome show today right there for you at pvdcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I know a lot of people are talking about, including Search in the chat. He remembers Roadhouse. Alan is saying fire, fire ple- uh, present for obviously what we're going to talk about next. And if, if Funk is the OG hardcore, he's a firefly because of the great character, Wyndham Rotunda, AK Bray Wyatt created. I liken it in many ways, but not to the extent of The Undertaker, where you have this individual who wrestles as different monikers, never finding the right fit until one day he and Vince McMahon or Vince McMahon comes up with the character and he takes it from there and makes it and gives it a life of its own. And you know what? What a character Bray Wyatt was. Uh, he, he was kind of 
I likened him back to Kevin Sullivan in the early 80s in Florida, the, the satanic worshiper. You know, like he had that weird eeriness to him that was very much like Dan Spivey when he was Waylon Mercy. It was based on that Max Cady character uh, from uh But done uh, so Fear. much better. So much Yeah, better. but exactly. Done 10 times better than Dan Spivey did. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't a huge fan of The Fiend. I didn't really like that incarnation. I liked the Wyatt family, the original uh, character, the, as I just mentioned, the Max Cady character. I thought there was more you could do with that character than The Fiend. But, uh, you know, again, it's a shame. It's just an absolute shame. We're never going to see what could have been with Bray Wyatt. Like, I, I, I was very interested when he came back, what, in January? I think it was at the beginning of the year he came yes, back. Because he because he fought L.A. Knight in that uh, Lights Out match. Correct. And I would I have liked his last it. match was a house show in late February before he contracted COVID. I just would have liked to seen what a what a babyface Bray Wyatt could have done with a long run as that. Uh, I think at that particular time with L.A. Knight, he was just turning babyface. But I wanted to see what else he could do. Yeah. Um, again, it's just it's it's super sad. That's that's all I can say when it comes to his passing. Absolutely, and the fact that he could headline former WWE champ himself. So uh, I'm truly sad for him and his family because, like you said, Terry Funk. 79 had already seen the wars and obviously it, it caught up with him as far as his what you know people ask what do these guys and gals do as far as the sacrifices they make well if you want to see what it does to an individual a human being and a human body you need to know, look no further than terry funk and to see what happened over the course of the decades and see what the attrition did to there. But when it comes to Bray Wyatt, extremely sad, very untimely. I know it started from, you know, obviously complications from COVID and the heart attack that he had then. And then he had an additional heart attack uh, that caused his, his passing. But to leave so young, to leave with so much left on the table he could have bring to professional wrestling. And obviously to leave, most importantly, to a future wife and his family, four kids that he leaves behind. That is the most uh, tragic of all of the situation with both those passings. Uh, agreed, 100%. Last words on Bray Wyatt. Again, an individual who, once he found the right gimmick, as they say in the business, embraced it, uh, found ways along with you know the creatives behind WWE to go ahead and make it basically a main event level status, you know, the matches, at, especially at the tail end of his career with the Lights Out match, which the uh, cinematic matches that they helped design and create at WWE weren't exactly the most crowd-pleasing at times. Uh, to me and you, we discussed this on the show in the past where we were not big fans of the cinematic matches. But again, as spectacles, which is what pro wrestling does and pro wrestling should continue to do, it was a spectacle at that. I mean, you know, you look at the uh, original character that uh, Bray Wyatt had, Husky Harris. It was nothing real original. It was the big giant cowboy guy, and it flopped miserably. Nobody really got behind it. Of course, um, he goes back down to NXT or developmental and comes back with the Bray Wyatt character, and it, it all clicks. You know, again... Um, I, I agree with you that some of his matches were not great, but some of them were good. Um, 
I'm not so sure that with a character like that, oftentimes my friends and I would speculate as to, does he really need a title because he is so special Yeah. with that character? Um, you know, again, just leaving a lot of what ifs on the table for wrestling fans all around the world. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is the state of pro wrestling right here for us at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the BC Multiverse. Thanks so much again for watching and listening. I do have on John Orlando, as always, from the PVD cast. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the PVDcast.com. And if you have any thoughts or questions or comments you'd love to make in regards to Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk, rest in peace, you can always leave it here or Pop Culture Cosmos or the PVD cast on your social media. We'd love to hear from you on that. One of the things, though, we do got to talk about recently, we just got through it this past weekend, was all in in London in front of the, I guess, okay, because you know it's pro wrestling, and they always you know say, which, but I think from all what I'm seeing, and WrestleTix.com is usually a great source, a legitimate source for saying this, it's probably the largest paid attendance of all time at over legit 80,000 paid whether or not you want to say it's the most attended individual event in pro wrestling history is up for you to say. I still say the North Korean uh, collision in Korea matches where they were 100,000 plus, whether they wanted to be there or not. Those are the largest <laughs> individual matches, I think, as far as attended. But you could say this is probably the best or largest paid attendance of all time. Good show overall, good card overall, nothing like earth shattering, which I think they needed to do. I really think that they needed a five star uh, battle that everybody would be talking about and remembering for some time to come, uh, some time to come. And unfortunately, they got good three star, four star battles, really good. I thought they were really, really entertaining. But I think maybe because the storyline for Adam Cole, MGF is so good, but yet. I think they could have saved that and shelved that and continued that maybe for down the road. I really think it should have ended up CM Punk for MJF to combine the world titles on that type of platform. That's just me. But your thoughts on All In before we talk about the fallout from All In, getting into a show pay-per-view for them this weekend in All Out. Well, number one, uh, I feel like um, when it comes to the matches, I feel that CM Punk and Samoa Joe had match of the night. That match they had was really solid match. Really, really good. Yeah. I oh, mean, well, those absolutely. Two, well, those two have been working together so long. You know, it's like they could do it in their sleep. That you know, when yeah. we say that as a a form of speech in pro wrestling, as a form, you know, as just a, a you know something that you commonly say, it's true here. These two could wrestle a three star, four star match in their sleep. No problem. Absolutely. I agree with you that they needed something big, and I'm not sure that, it, you know, that was delivered. Um, this was a TV storyline played in front of a pay-per-view large audience. That's that's Yeah, crazy. and look, we, we know from going into uh, All In that there wasn't a huge earth-shattering, um, you know, event. There's no Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. Nothing, nothing yeah. big that's going to garner the attention. 
credit to I, them, they sold most of the tickets for it before any matches were announced. That's as true. You had, as you had said, and you complained about. Correct. No, you're absolutely right. On this show, I said, I don't know if I would be very thrilled to buy tickets to an event, not knowing any of the matches, and then getting a bunch of uh, garbage matches that I didn't care about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, give all the credit to the promotion team and to, to Tony Khan and to everybody behind the scenes that really pushed the envelope to get all those tickets sold, not taking anything away from them. But I think the last time that we spoke, Gerald, we both agreed you have to have something to follow up. All right. You got to have that follow up somehow, some way, whether and whether it's through more media coverage or something. I'm not so sure a Chicago pay-per-view the following weekend is the way to go. I really think, uh, as you did, it's not the wisest idea. Mm-mm. Remember, as I told you before we went on the air, do you remember Tuesday in Texas that took place, what, four days after mm-hmm. the Survivor Series? And it was like, okay, yes, there was a title switch back, uh, I believe, from it went from The Undertaker back to Hulk Hogan in Tuesday night in Texas. And, and yeah, that was newsworthy in and of itself. But when it comes to the actual event, there's a reason why they did not run, I believe. I don't think they ever ran a Tuesday in Texas or, or a pay-per-view so short after another pay-per-view again. If they did, they have not stuck with it because they realize audiences need to relax. They need to settle down and have storylines build up all over again. What they're doing with All In and All Out, All In comes one weekend, All Out comes the next weekend. With the depth that they have at the top end of the roster, which I don't think they have in full as of yet, they're not planning out these storylines to make you want to come back for All Out. And in fact, according to the ratings, as we see on AEW Dynamite, the bridge from Wednesday night that's supposed to be between All In and All Out, there's no change. It was the same as it was last week which is still almost 20% down from what it was last year. What does that tell you? Because I, I mentioned when we talked last month that I was very interested to see the Dynamite ratings for this show to see if people would be interested in All Out and outside of the big live crowd that's going to be there and the controversy, which we'll talk about here, that happened at All In in a second. Your thoughts, though, on what you see heading into All Out? Well, because two things, all all out so far looks like an episode of Dynamite. And speaking of Dynamite, I watched most last night. I didn't watch it all, but because one, I was really just bored with it. That's what you come out of. You come out of this big pay-per-view. This is what we talked about. There's no, you're not building any more momentum. And and I didn't, I didn't look at the ratings. You said there's still what, about the 900,000? Uh, I can bring it up now, but I think it was a little lower than that, but I'll, I'll bring it up for you right now. But it was but, the but, same as it was last week, which is about 20% down from this time last year. Like, why couldn't we, uh, I mean, I listen, I don't. 170, just to give you an idea. Okay. And, and I don't, I know this is going to come off as being disrespectful, but why did we need a six women tag team match on Dynamite when there's no storyline behind it? There's nothing there. Well, I know they had some illnesses and some injuries, and also the uh, people coming from Florida were some were not able to make it, like Kenny Omega, due to the hurricane that uh, hit Florida. And all our thoughts are goes out to those individuals out there. Yeah, agreed, absolutely. Um, I I just I feel like that that 
and and now that you mentioned that, I never thought about that the the the, the inclement weather that was happening um, yesterday. I just feel like it wasn't a, a very good booked. Uh, uh, the v- booking has not been solid in, on Dynamite. I don't know. Like if I was sitting down to book this, I would have definitely went with either CM Punk versus uh, MJF at All In, or go throw Kenny Omega in there against MJF because that could get a buzz. I think come out of that with something a little bit more hotter on the episode of dynamite than the Atlantic title match. Um, again, I didn't watch it, so I don't know how good or not good it was. I I'm not a huge fan of orange Cassidy. I'll say that. So I, that was one determining factor. I was like, mm. and I was bored with the product. So I, I don't know. I think that they, they're just not, they're not looking long-term maybe. And I know that seems weird because we're just talking about a week, a week difference, but does that make sense, Gerald? Like they're just not thinking of long-term storytelling. No, and it, uh, in one respect, uh, you got to also realize that Tony Khan is not keeping the order of his company. The company is not the guys behind and guys gals behind the scenes. Uh, in some respects, especially at the top, are not aligning themselves together as a company when they should, when they need it the most. Uh, you know, it was said on uh, another WrestleNomics podcast, I want to give them credit, that this should be the crowning achievement of their success. Getting 80,000 people plus at Wembley Stadium for an all-in, you should be reveling in your success. And instead, you have to worry about a behind-the-scenes situation because of a match that took place with Jack Perry uh, calling out CM Punk because in his match against Hook, he uh, shouted to the camera, all glass, referring to an incident or, uh, you know, something that was done as far as a, a, a having glass used in a, a scenario on a previous AEW collision, as opposed to not using real glass for safety reasons. And I guess uh, Jack Perry, the young kid, did, wanted to use all glass. CM Punk didn't. And it led to a con- verbal confrontation that time. Well, Again, it played itself out and all in, and uh, they met each other backstage. It got uh, got to a little bit of difficulties between the two. People had to break it up. It was right in front of Tony Khan. Tony Khan has to keep these things in order, in order for them to succeed, because that's the way you kill yourself from within. I mean, uh, Brian Alvarez could throw the book at you with the WCW book he wrote and just tell you, okay, you're following the same script as far as the infighting, as far as the political backstabbing, as far as all the stuff that's going on for AEW, you're reaping the rewards of your success. You're having your 83 weeks, as it were, right now. But the thing is, can you sustain it, or are you going to go ahead and fold from within? And right now, I can't tell you either which way. From a year from now, is AEW still going to be a a powerhouse in the world of pro wrestling? Is it still going to get that bump from being part of the – uh, Time Warner Empire is going to be part of what we see on Max, or is it going to be something because of so much internal strife? Are we going to see a pretty much a downfall for AEW in the near future? I'm not sure which. It could be either way at this point because there's so much internal strife behind the scenes. Tony Khan has to take control. I said that slowly so everybody can understand that, including yes. Tony Khan. He has to take control. This doesn't, this doesn't happen in the WWE. Why not? No. Because you have people who clearly are in control, people who are clearly telling people what they need to do. 
And if they don't do it, they're gone. It's that simple. Look at all the examples, not just Punk, but you had Andrade slap around uh, Sammy Guevara. We've had incidences back. Miro at Punk that same day. Exactly. Miro and Punk had an altercation. It's it. You got to stop being the friendly boss and do your job, Tony Khan. You and have I understand, to. And I understand CM Punk is not exactly the most wonderful individual behind the scenes in yeah. regards to him cooperating and things of that nature. He wants his way. He's been in the uh, industry a long time. He sees something some way. But you guys have to try to work each other. You guys and gals have to try to work with each other to create a better product out there once the cameras are on. It's just something that you have to go ahead and make sure that you're you're a part of. Because if you're not, again, I'm not sure where we'll stand two years from now with AEW. It could be still the big hit, could be a bigger hit, or we could see it fold. And CM Punk, whether you like him or you hate him, both in and out of the ring, you have to understand you're going to Chicago at All Out. The people in Chicago, the majority of the Chicago want to see you. So, you know, whatever differences you have with some of these kids, with some, you know, with younger wrestlers or whatnot, you have to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? We need to work this out. We need to get in a room and hash this out. Civilized, but we need to work this out going forward because I'm headlining a Chicago event at All Out. Or will I? Because there's a very real possibility because of what happened this past weekend and the lack of discipline for AEW. We could see CM Punk not there for a pay-per-view done essentially in that crowd. In fact, the live audience for Dynamite, the live audience for Collision, and the live audience for the pay-per-view were hoping and are expecting to see some semblance of CM Punk, and they may not get it. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. You know, and here's the other thing, too. and I don't know, maybe this sometimes bothers me because, you know... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not my twenties anymore, but people can give you their opinion. It doesn't mean you have to take them. You can say, okay, thank you. And then go about your business. So to me, I I look at it, if I'm Jack Perry and I've already had kind of a a discussion with punk that may or may not have been pleasant about the whole glass thing. I'm not going to go on the pay-per-view and go real glass because that's just poking the bear. Right? Or am I wrong by my, the way I'm thinking? No, that, he knew exactly what he was doing when he said that because there's already a, a there's already a precedent CM Punk has already set last year in regards to getting hot what someone says or someone does something behind the scenes. But then again, when he goes out and he talks bad about Adam uh, Hangman Page, you know, right after a uh, what an event, I think it was a collision where he starts talking bad about him off the script and start talking some real some smack about him that didn't need to go ahead and be said. He's got to go ahead and realize that's unprofessional on his own account as well. Oh yes. I don't say that CM Punk is innocent in this situation, but it's just the, the peg warmer promos. What I'm dealing, talking about where he talked about how he went to a store and saw 
all all the Adam Hangman Page uh, dolls is still hung up because nobody wanted to buy them. Mm-hmm. But again, I guess I'm just uh, just I don't know. Maybe the way that I was raised was, hey, you know what? Somebody can tell you something that you don't like to hear, and if it's a person of authority, you can say, okay, thank you, and then not do. I mean, you don't have to list take their word as gospel. And likewise, I wouldn't go and poke the bear either. You know, okay, so he doesn't like me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. And we shouldn't and we shouldn't just pass over the elite, and, you know, and oh, no. can't, you know, all that as far as their responsibility, because they're supposed to be vice presidents of the company. And what happened last year, you know, that confrontation, people have got to keep cooler heads behind the scenes because it bleeds out into the ring. It bleeds out into your product. And while it's great for the newsletters, the dirt sheets, and for shows like ours to talk about, it's not great for your overall product if you want to get it to a large mass audience. Absolutely. I agree. There, <laughs> I don't know what, what it would take. Look, I think even if Tony Khan doesn't want to be the boss, hire someone to be the boss. You know what I mean? Hire Vince Head JR all the time as talent relations coordinator. Who did most of the hiring and firing during that time? Well, it was Jim Ross. Granted, it was orders from Vince McMahon, but do that, Tony. If you don't want to be the bad guy, get a bad guy. Hire a bad guy to deliver the news. Um, I, I don't know. But then again, we've talked many times before that I think Tony Khan doesn't want to delegate to anything or anyone. And that might be the undoing, but I'm hoping not because... You know, I was very negative on AEW at first. Uh, I thought that this was not going to be something, an organization that was going to grow beyond the realm of, of what we saw with Impact and NWA. And believe me, we're going to talk about them before we get off the air. But to their credit, they have provided, uh, you know, the consumers out there with a good product, a real good product at times. And they deserve all the credit for doing that and being able to get 800,000 people to watch their products more uh, in some cases on a weekly basis to get 80,000 people to go to London, to get 15,000 people to go to their big arena shows. So they deserve all the credit for that. And I'm hoping their success continues, but they have to do get things in order. And especially if they don't, then could we see a free fall? I'm not sure we may, but again, the situation is in flux right now with AEW, but please, for the love of God, no all-ins and then all-outs right after. Spread that yeah. out. I even would say this. I'm going to float this past the listeners. It was mentioned while I was watching the pay-per-view with friends. Maybe it would be a good idea to not always go back to Wembley Stadium. You know, you, you went back in 2023. Maybe you wait a couple of years. Again, well, build back it. next year. They already ran. I know. I know. Too I late. know. I, we were talking about that, and then I swear like an hour later they announced that. And I'm like, well, okay. Because, again, I think within wrestling as a whole, pro wrestling as a whole, we're missing that specialness. And I hate to use that. <laughs> that's not even a word, I know. But things used to be special. And that's what made you want to tune in. And I think we're lacking that across the whole sport. And so, to me, I think you build uh, to Wembley Stadium – Two years from now, we'll come back in 2025. But uh, again, they're going to go back next year. So hopefully they'll have as equally success. Hopefully it will not be a case of diminishing returns. 
we'll find out. But at least they have a year head start this time around. <laughs> but once again, it is John Orlando for the PVD cast. Please go ahead and check out his awesome shows available and waiting for you now. Well, actually, after the show, please. At the PVDcast.com. <laughs> also as well, check it out wherever you get your podcasts. His latest conversation is with Bill Murphy. So please go ahead and check it out today. PVDcast.com. Before we head on out, my friend, uh, when the WWE is not at the front forefront of what we're talking about, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad, sometimes that's newsworthy. So I guess uh, we could just go ahead and say it's par for the course right now. They're just going through the motions as they head towards what probably Survivor Series is their next big outing and then the Royal Rumble after that. But this month's pay-per-view is Payback. And we have Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Owens and Sami Zayn versus The Judgment Day, Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Rodriguez, Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory, Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus, and The Miz versus LA Knight announced so far as of this recording. Your thoughts on where the WWE stands? Uh, They come off a successful run with SummerSlam earlier this month. Uh, As we head into September, I know that, again, you've got payback. Some storylines that are on the way. Bianca Belair is uh, looks like it's behind the scenes. She's going to take a couple months off. Uh, otherwise, the WWE wrestlers, for the most part, seem to be doing status quo as they build storylines for the future. LA Knight, the excitement is still there. I wish he wouldn't just make those tiny little errors that seem to get blown out of proportion with some people that he could just go ahead and continue. And the fact is you got to go ahead and have him stop doing jobs to Austin theory, which is again, another individual. I don't think that, you know, even though he's young, he still has a lot to prove and a lot to do before he goes ahead and, and really gets to that next level. But you know, LA night, you need to start going ahead and get behind him the wheelhouse and maybe we'll start with payback, but your thoughts on where the WWE stands right now, my friend? Well, I think it's a very good uh, idea to have The Miz taking on LA Knight. I think that that storyline has been good. You're He's right. had some promos. He's had some of the Miz has some of his best promos in years right mm-hmm. now. And, and you're right. LA Knight has stumbled a few times over his lines, but I don't think that matters. I, I don't. I really don't. I think that that's still love more, them. They still pop. Yeah. They still give you the yeah. And, and, the fans are eating it up. I think that this match against the Miz is going to help continue to push him to bigger and better things. Maybe, possibly, maybe getting into the Royal Rumble, being one of the final few folks in the Royal Rumble. Um, so I think that that's a great storyline. I have been highly entertained by Gunther. And, and Chad Gable, I think that that, that storyline has been fantastic. I've enjoyed that. The, the action has been great. Even when it's been Kaiser in there with Chad Gable instead of Gunther, it's been entertaining. It's been great. So they got some things going. They definitely got some things in the going in the right direction. Curious to see how the bloodline goes because I feel like that particular storyline is starting to really kind of stretch out and become uninteresting because – we uh, called it last month. Yeah. We called it last month uh, that it was mm-hmm. going to start maybe being stretched out because these are things we saw at the front end of the bloodline feud years ago. The booking of WWE is just going to be universal. I have to question it all the time because you have LA Knight lose the other day to Austin Theory. You have 
JD McDonough, who you're trying to push into the as far as the storyline of the Judgment Day, but nobody believes he's he's someone at this point in time that anybody could perceive as a main event level individual. So it's just weird how they're trying to go ahead and get you to come back for Raw and and SmackDown. It just goes with a theory, John, that uh, you know that for the most part, outside of obviously last week because they paid tribute to Terry Funk and also as well Bray Wyatt, that there's just a certain crowd for the Monday show. There's just a certain crowd for the Friday show. And no matter if you have main event wrestlers throughout the card or you have mid-card wrestlers throughout the card, it just seems like we're there to watch and we're going to continue watching no matter what. It's kind of like the McDonald's theory, right? Like it's there, so you're going to use it or you're going to eat there. So the WWE's there, so you're just gonna watch it because it's there. You know what I mean, yeah. it just seems uh, like it to me. It it does, it does. I, I do, and I think I, I've mentioned this before, even on the PVD cast. I do like Nakamura getting a shot to run with Seth Rollins because I but think you've beaten two, him so many times, nobody takes it seriously. I agree, I agree, but I still think it's something refreshing. It's something different, and I think it those is. two can have good matches. But you're right that that he has been pounded into pulp if you will <laughs> throughout uh his most recent feud even with bronson reed you know and uh I, I i don't know it's going to be interesting to see how things shape up for the survivor series well the thing is you, you have this 50 50 booking which has been talked mm-hmm. about what for the latter half of the decade is when they went to this 50 50 booking style and into this decade and it's just like you have a lot of these individuals over the years just win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose to the point where you don't care and you don't believe that they can go ahead and garner a following of individuals or an audience behind them large enough to go ahead and transform this company into something even better. It's just hard to believe. Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, overseas, he was one of the best workers on the entire planet, you know, and he comes over here and has an extended time, and he's at first NXT, he's really, really, really good and really promoted well when it comes to WWE, really, really promoted well. And then it's like he's here for a while, then they just don't realize what they have. They start having him lose, start having him lose some more, start putting him in the mid card. There you go. And now you want to go ahead and rise him back up again. And it's just like, it doesn't really work like that, or the audience just doesn't always go with it. I know in the case of LA Knight, it's different because you only had mid-card plans for him, but his his just basically his je ne sais quoi or his it factor has actually garnered him something much more. But with the case of Nakamura, his career in the WWE has outlined it to where it just doesn't seem like people care enough about him if he if he wins the title from Seth Rollins, which I don't think he'll do anyways. No, he's not winning the title. Absolutely not. But I don't know. Does does a strong showing against Seth Rollins lead the WWE to give him more opportunities at the main event level? Let's see what the response is. That's what I'm hoping for because he deserves uh, yeah. it. He he's a great worker. Uh, you know, obviously one of the best wrestlers at the time. Like I said, when he came over in the world, and I'm hoping for for better success for him out of this malaise he was in just just a month ago. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. talking about him before this all started. So hoping for the best for Shinsuke Nakamura as he faces off against Seth Rollins coming up here for payback. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. But before we head on out, my friend, as we have John Orlando from the PVD Cast, go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the PVDcast.com. I wanted to go ahead and ask you or your thoughts recently. NWA 75 took place, their anniversary, 75th anniversary of the oldest pro wrestling company. No, it's not the WWE, everybody. Uh, it is at ENWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. And also Impact 1000. Impact 1000 will be having its 1000th episode coming up here shortly amidst a lot of uh, turmoil behind the scenes in regards to their future, although their future has been tenuous, what, since 2001, going back and yeah. forth as far as, you know, highs <laughs> yeah. and lows there. But before we get to Impact 1000, I want to hear your thoughts on NWA 75. Uh, EC3, uh, who has uh, been going through the independent scene, uh, had an extended stay with Impact, he was, uh, you know, brought up at one time with WWE, has been able to go ahead and research his career, find a resurgence so, to an extent with NWA, where he beat the least favorite NWA world yeah. championship, uh, <laughs> world champion of all time, I think, maybe or one of them in Tyrus, because a lot of people just did not like him, whether it was his political views or whether it was on Fox or just the fact that he was just not that great to watch aesthetically in the ring with all apologies to everyone out there. As far as the NWA fans, it's just, that's what it is. Your thoughts though, on the NWA at, at its 75, 75th anniversary, it's, it's being run, you know, the best they can. They don't have the talent when you look at the roster, but their future, I think is still kind of bright because of who's running it and the direction they might have. Well, I'll say this. It was a step in the right direction to put the title on an actual legitimate world heavyweight champion. EC3, I think, fits that mold. Is he as polished as maybe some of the past NWA champions? No. But then again, you had the belt on Tyrus. And don't forget, also Trevor Murdoch was an NWA world champion, too. Exactly. So uh, neither. You, you don't have the the talent to draw from. So I understand they also had a chance to get uh, Eli, Eli Drake, a.k.a. L.A. Knight, and you saw what happened there. He went off for greener pastures. But I, I can't blame I can't blame anyone a bit on EC3 because, again, like you said, the alternatives to most wrestling fans out there was not good. Nope. Uh, but I, from what I've read and what few clips I've seen, it looked like it was a show that the people that showed up really enjoyed it. And, yes. uh, you know, so, I mean, so that's, that's a check mark in the right, right column. Uh, you know, they, they changed things up. I believe Camille dropped the NWA ladies championship or women's championship. Two day event overall. It was a great, yeah. great weekend for them. Absolutely. So they're changing things up. They're doing things a little bit different. Uh, again, 
I feel like they are one of those individuals that probably like they could have benefited from Netflix doing a special on them instead of Netflix going to OVW, you know? And and again, I'm looking forward to that. I I think F1. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know if if, I I seem in my circle of friends to be the only one interested in it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, But NWA needs some type of, easy outlet to get their product out there because I don't think YouTube is going to be financially viable for them to do. So I think that they need to definitely find some media outlet that people can get. And, and I say that because, and I'm not casting uh, disrespect to, to impact, but I have lots of friends that would love to watch impact, but they don't get access. It's not on their cable lineup, you know? So then that means what's the other option that you can do Well, you have to, pay for a subscription to whatever their streaming services impact to go or whatever it's called. So I think for the NWA, they have to find a a way to get their product in front of more eyes. Uh, I think it's smart though, that they are kind of limiting their touring schedule. I think that that's a smart thing. You know, as we learned from the old Jim Crockett promotions, you can spread yourself too thin. So um, I, I do have questions. I'm not as optimistic as you about Billy Corrigan and his wrestling acumen. Um, I'll, I'll defer on that and say, let's see what happens in the next few months with that. But uh, maybe not as decision making, but, you know, because I see him in a similar mindset or style as Tony Khan. He did study uh, for impact, impact for a little while before he decided to go ahead and venture and take over the NWA and buy the NWA. Uh, but with Billy Corrigan, it's just like in the ways of Tony Khan, you know, he might have funds to support and keep the NWA solvent for some time to come. It's just a matter of trying to go ahead and make it that extra step, like you said, with a media outlet that they really could go ahead and find a following or find, a, you know, an individual audience for. It has to probably at this point be a streaming audience of some type, like you said, a Netflix or a Paramount Plus or something like that, they'd have to go ahead and find that audience and hopefully that they can connect with. But it also is about finding some wrestlers besides EC3 and and maybe select others that will want to stick it out with the NWA long-term that are able to go ahead and connect with the audience as well because they have a lot of young kids. uh, Mm -hmm. They have a lot of kids past their prime, uh, but they don't have a lot in the middle a lot in the middle as far as individuals at their peak, at their prime that are able to go ahead and connect with an audience. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. There, there is a lot of young talent down in NWA that will be making moves. I'm sure that four five, six years from now, we'll be talking about some of those folks as they've moved on because they have the talent. They do. Key words as they moved on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just feel like, uh, I feel bad for the NWA because they had a good thing going for a while and then the pandemic came and then that was it. And then it all went downhill from there. I, I, I was very captivated by their product early on when they, when they first came out, when Aldous was the champion and you had, you know, uh, a whole bevy of folks, Eli Drake, you had homicide, you had Eddie Kingston, you had those folks that were there plying their trade. I love the idea of, a, of the uh, old school, studio wrestling so that was great but like i said unfortunately with the pandemic it kind of you know put all those ideas and all those opportunities you know on the back burner 
So I ask you, my friend, you said your thoughts and your hopes and your aspirations for the NWA are not that high. What about impact? Again, they're going to be celebrating their thousandth episode of uh, television here coming up with a big special. They've got a lot of their former wrestlers like Gail Kim and Awesome Kong returning to action. Uh, and hopefully they'll go ahead and have a great show. But who will see it? That's the problem. Who will see it? Because Impact, like you said, on Axis, which barely anyone has. And, you know, if you're out there looking for another wrestling organization to go ahead and put on a streaming outlet, I'm sure they would be dying to do so. But you have Impact, which just recently announced to its wrestlers that they're going to cut back on the number of dates that they're going to go ahead and tape, kind of strip back. They haven't laid off any wrestlers or anything like that. But again, it leads us all into the situation where MLW, you know, they've got to go ahead and just end this lawsuit with WWE and move on as a company. <laughs> Impact, NWA, just all come together, form one alliance do it under the NWA because it's the oldest one, you know, one out there would be my suggestion. It's the oldest belt, most respected. Just go ahead, combine all the talent and go from there. There you may have a, pro a project, a product that people will want to watch. I feel that impact personally has the best women's division in, in wrestling. I, I really truly believe that Perrazzo is a fantastic wrestler. Uh, you know, they have Trinity now over there. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. They had um, uh, Jordan Jordan Grace for a while. I think while that's a credit to Gail Kim. I believe she's behind yeah. the scenes responsible for the women's wrestling. I think that's a credit to her. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned about the episode 1000. I, I'm struggling as I was just kind of looking before we went live. It's, it's a pay-per-view, is it? Or is it on TV? Because I'm not sure because it's not crystal clear in the, any of the articles that I read no, what it not. is. And that's, nope. that's a problem. That's a problem because of the fact that you just, the lack of communication on the way it's, it's put out there. You always put out those nice Photoshop, you know, this person versus this person that looks great and all, but you know, the fact is again, where can you see it? And if you can't see it, you're not going to be able to go ahead and advance your products. So yeah, just mm -hmm. absolutely mind bendingly scratching my head crazy uh, each and every time when I think about all these indies, you know, it, it's just like in the back of the day, the Indies, they all had their own pockets, but rarely did they decide to work with each other. And the one time they tried to in 88, 89, when USWA, World Class, AWA all tried to get together, seemed like a good idea. You had enough talent to go ahead and put it forward, but egos got in the way, missed payments got in the way, and there you go. And I don't foresee anything different. You and I talked about it earlier this year that, yeah, the best idea is to go ahead and put them all together but egos will come in the way and that will never happen. Mm -hmm. But I will leave on this, or I will, I will end this one on this comment. I think impact still survives. I, I don't, yeah, impact's like this a, a, are you, they're like the cockroach of wrestling that no matter how <laughs> high or low, or no matter what happens, they're just like going to still skitter across the ground and still be there to their 90,000 viewers each and every week. Yep. I think that that's exactly it. I think impact's going to have a, uh, no matter what happens in the next few months with this thousandth episode and whatnot, they're still going to be around. They just, there's something about it. They're indestructible. They're still on my smart television. They've got one of those channels, like in the three hundreds or whatnot that you could go ahead and watch. If you get, if you have a smart TV and you have the free, like for me, Samsung television, 
yeah, they're on there and they're on, they have their own 24 hour seven, 24 seven uh, channel. So go ahead and check that out if you want the best and worst of impact wrestling indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on the world of pro wrestling? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmos or the PVD cast on social media. Next month, we're going to be talking about a more, even more great things because the month of sep- late September, early October, you know, is going to bring some great things. So we're going to continue to talk about it. But before we head on out, it's the cheap pitch time. You know what's going to happen. It always happens. John Orlando, what's going on with your awesome show right there for you at the PVD cast? Well, I'm super excited for the episode that just went live a few hours ago. Uh, I had a great time putting it together. I had a great time talking to my guests. You mentioned him, Bill Murphy. He is with Fresh Monkey Fiction. He's a toy maker that has made some amazing toys. Uh, he's an L.A. guy, by the way, Gerald. So there you go. A little, little love for the West Coast. There but he uh, he has a variety of different lines out. Um, Longbox Heroes, uh, Eagle Force, which I remember as a kid. Uh, naughty or nice he has a ton i mean this guy's got like five or six toy lines going on and uh, i met him at PowerCon a couple weeks ago in columbus ohio for that convention i needed to have him come on and talk about uh his fandom of toys he even gives us a little rundown of a rough idea of how long it takes to get a figure to production all that jazz uh and it's available at pvdcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts and hey, if you do listen, please rate, review, and subscribe. Rating and reviewing helps me out in the algorithm, as it does for Gerald as well. Yes. And subscribing means you never miss an episode. Absolutely, indeed. Again, please check out everything that he's doing today, either on your podcast outlet, PVDcast, or PVDcast.com. Let me ask you this. Did you have or see any trouble behind the scenes at PowerCon like we saw at All I End? Did any fighting behind there? Uh, no, no, there was no fighting. And, and you know what? Uh, there was there was there was clearly a wrestling uh, uh, link there as Myers and Cardona were in town. But you know what? They 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 did not start any fights, nor did anyone else start any fights at PowerCon. You know what? Credit to Myers and Cordona who have uh, could have taken their their release or departure from the WWE, uh, you know, as a sign that maybe they should just go and find another vocation. But they have flourished in their own way, outside of becoming, you know, because remember they were one of the laughing stock tag teams of the mm-hmm. WWE, as they were always told to lose and forced to lose each and every time out, almost seemingly just never given any kind of breaks whatsoever. Then you see them now, they're in the thick of things, whether they're in Impact, uh, whether they're in you know MLW or in the NWA, they're always trying to go ahead and stir something up. And uh, whether they're doing it apart or they're doing it together, I give them credit for making a life outside of the WWE or AEW. But you never know what happens for their future, but I, I, I wish them all the success. Absolutely. Absolutely, indeed. So... That is John Orlando from the PVD cast. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the PVDcast.com. Also as well, we're going to go ahead and make sure that we go ahead and on their next episode, if we remember a month from now, and I'll try to do that, we will go ahead and talk a little bit more about the international scene. Is there anybody out there in Mexico or Japan that we have yet to talk about that we need to talk about in the world of pro wrestling? Indeed. Hmm, 
was already thinking about already who might uh, be, but I'll tell you, my friend, always great to have you here. It's the State of Pro Wrestling for August slash September 2023. Looking forward to the next State of Pro Wrestling we'll have right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. <laughs>